your normal job leading choir? Was that hard or what? That's hard, isn't it? It's not easy, man, when you're asked to do something you don't feel like you normally do, but thank you for doing it. I mean, that's not fun. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to Acts, the 26th chapter, if you're hanging around Acts, 26th chapter, two simple verses today, but you'll find they're not really so simple, 28 and 29. Now, I have in the room several, I'm not going to use the word old, that would be wrong, old military people, we have a few. And they might understand the comment, because we used to throw it around when I was active duty, which is, crazy thing is, I've been retired now 20 years. I'm scared. That's pretty bad, isn't it? I'm an old GI. But the phrase we used to say was, almost doesn't count, unless it's with horseshoes, hand grenades, oh, we, got, we add, this is military, 750-pound bombs or nuclear weapons. That's throwing a little Air Force into that one. But you've heard the other part of it, obviously. You know, I kind of get the phrase, just a little bit. Um, Almost might count in horseshoes. Man, I almost hit the ringer. It hit the pole, it spun around, and it blew off. You know, I get that. I don't get the almost in hand grenades, bombs, and stuff like that. Do you? To say that I almost blew something up. Look at me. I almost blew that thing up. Woohoo! And somebody's like, You almost, what? You didn't, so shut up. <laughs> Listen, I think about that, and I'm trying to apply that theory, this almost theory, into the message today, because that's what you have. You have uh, King Agrippa and Paul having a conversation. And if you can imagine this conversation, that Paul, at this point, is very zealous, zealous for God. I mean, he's been in Judaism. He's been in, in the old way. He's following now Christ who came to him, right, and, and shined the light on him and woke him up to where he was off course a little bit. Paul is there. He's simply trying to get now King Agrippa to understand what he's understanding about faith in, in Christ. Well, listen, if you were King Agrippa, do you care? What does a king need? You say you shake your head, John. What? What's he need? Nothing. Why? Good. Perfect. Yes and yes. He's got it all, doesn't he? I'm the king. I have the building. I have the money. I have the chicks. I got it all. He's got it all. What does he? What does a king need? Huh? Christ. Does he know he needs Christ? Nah. Not when you got it all. I think this is why Jesus made the claim that it's very hard for those who have money to get into the kingdom of God. Because we put our trust in those other things we have. As a king, you got it all. So why do I need Christ? So they're having this discussion, Acts 26. And Agrippa says to Paul, you know, Paul, that's, that's a pretty good discussion you brought to me. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Acts 26, 28. You almost, Paul, persuaded me to be a Christian. And so Paul retorts back. Paul says this to him. He goes, I would that God, not only you, but also all who hear me, become almost and altogether such as I am, 
a Christian, a believer, except, of course, King Agrippa, for these chains you've put on me. Thank you. What a great discussion that he is having with King Agrippa. King Agrippa is looking at this guy and he's going, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a good to be a Christian. Good try, son, but yeah, forget it, man. There's, there is a course in human thinking going on in this particular passage that I hope to reach today because truly it's like saying, well, you know something? You almost talked me into that. Have you ever used that phrase? Has somebody you talked to almost said it back to you? You know, you, that's, you're pretty convincing. You, you almost talked me into it. Have people been talked into lesser things than to accept Christ? Agnes is going, oh yeah, baby. Been there, done it, haven't you? <laughs> Thank you for admitting it. Hey, listen, I knew this guy in the Air Force, 20-year-old clown, who was running around, and all these guys decided, hey, we're going to go from Germany, we're going to go to Austria, and, and we're going to go check out Austria. They all climb on a bus, they get there, and then somebody says, hey, I know, let's go snow skiing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And this one cat that went along with him and just said, well, wait a minute, man, I grew up water skiing. Is it the same? Oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Okay, sounds good to me. They get out there and these, these guys decide, there it is, there's where we're going. This mountain looked like it never ended. It went all the way to heaven. Largest mountain in Austria, Mount St. Johann. And they're going to go ski it. And, and this one guy who's, who's kind of still freaking out is just saying, you know, well... You sure it's the same as water ski? Yeah, same. Okay. What are we going to teach anyway? We'll teach you. You know, these good old Air Force guys. We'll teach you what you need to know. Anyway, you get to the top and somehow you make it off the ski lift and you're still, oh, this thing's straight down, man. Thousands of feet. And you're looking down there. And and at the very bottom, there's about 20 yards that it levels off, you know. And there's this little wooden picket fence. It's about that size right there. And it's really crickety. And, And, you know, it's right there at the edge, and there's a 300-foot drop-off to a highway. And it's like, okay, and, and you're standing there looking down this thing, and as soon as you know, these people that were going to teach this guy how to ski, they left. They went chasing girls. They were gone. And this cat's standing up there, thousands of feet up, and you know, i got these skis, and i got these sticks. Okay. Off you go. Somewhere midway down, I mean, when, when this guy was doing about mock down, down this hill, taking jumps like a professional, he realizes there comes that little wooden picket fence. There's the end of the run. How do you stop? How do you stop this thing? Well, water skiing, if you, if you could let go or you could just jump off, right? So that's what this cat does and just says, well, okay. Uh, Yeah, well, that didn't work out well. That stick went right up through this guy's jaw. I mean, messed it up so bad. Slides, skis, poles, flying, slides right up against that beautiful little little fence and stopped, thank goodness. Looking over the edge, going, now why did this guy let these people talk him into this? this person was persuaded that they could snow ski when they were a water skier. Okay? And if you're thinking it was me, it wasn't. Whoops. You're thinking it was me, weren't you? (laughs) 
Liar, liar, pants on fire right there. <laughs> God has a way, right? Don't you lie in my church, boy. Yeah, it was me. Why did I let these guys talk me into this thing? Why do any of us let peer pressure work on us? Why is it we know what we know that we can or we can't and somebody talks us into that and, and we know that that's not the right thing for us? Oh my goodness, okay. You got the picture, don't you? We have choices. We make choices. Choices have outcomes. And this whole thing about, like I said, the bombs and all this, it's just confusing to me. Why would anybody almost accept Christ? Because that's really what Agrippa was saying. You almost had me accepting Christ, Paul. <laughs> you little devil, you. You almost had me doing it. Do you know what it's like? Do you know what that's like? Anybody in the room ever dove out of an airplane parachuting? No adventurists. So I, I just want you to catch the visual of what I'm talking about today with King Agrippa. You're in the airplane. You're at 20,000 feet. The little light turns green and says go, and you... <laughs> God, that's beautiful. Lord, this is incredible. Ah, 10,000 feet. I almost forgot. I almost put my parachute on. This is the seriousness of the message I'm talking about today. I almost accepted Christ. I almost put my parachute on before I jumped. There is an end. Earth is coming up fast. It's not going to move out of your way so you can just keep going into, into perpetual space. You're going to hit. It's not going to be purdy. This is what Paul is trying to convince King Agrippa about. Son, wake up. You're on a collision course with God Almighty. And you haven't accepted Him as Savior and Lord. People shouldn't want to just think they're saved. People should want to know. That's why we sing the song, Blessed Assurance. Because the Holy Spirit of the living God can put that blessed assurance in your heart when you're asking Him, and you can know what you know what you know what you know. I am saved. There is no bow to doubt it. Some of you missed that, didn't you? There's no bow to doubt it. Come on. No bow to doubt it. I mean, no doubt about it. Da, 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 da. You know, seen that song, that movie? Okay, never mind. Point is, you're either saved or you're not, right? When, when the Titanic was, was out there, this beautiful ship that couldn't sink, there were the three classes of people on there. There were people on the upper deck, the upper class. There were people the middle class, you know, they're hanging out in the middle ship. Then there was the folks down in the hull of the boat, man, with the rats. They got the lower class. But don't you know, the minute the iceberg struck, all the classes went away and there was only two, the saved and the unsaved. You can't be almost saved. You either have Christ or you don't have Christ. There's no middle ground. To, to choose a middle ground 
is, is to opt out like others do in salvation. I'm, I'm blessed today because I, I look at these people who will take no stance whatsoever for God. Oh, well, could be. Well, yeah, that could be too. Okay, I'll just stand here in the middle because it's no conflict. If I get over there, somebody's going to disagree. If I get over here, somebody will disagree. I'll just stand right here in the middle because it's safe and warm and cool. And somebody tell me that place, what they name that place that's between heaven and hell. No, no. In reality, that's, that's Catholicism. Huh? Limbo. Is there a limbo? No. The truth of the word that I have is there's heaven and there's hell. There's not a place in between. There's no middle ground. You either have Christ and you're here or you don't have Him and you're there. Period. Done. That's my word. I don't anybody else's. But how do we take a limbo position? It doesn't work that way. Are there people doing it? Are there people who almost accept Christ? Yeah. I'm going to give you an example of three of them this morning. Isn't this fun? Y'all having fun yet? She's over going, oh no, I'm sure I believe all this garbage. That's all right, hang with me a little while. Maybe, maybe we'll. I think that there's a group of folks who hear the word of God like King Agrippa, but refuse to respond. That's the first category I think is out there. I think that Paul, in, in all the writings we have in the New Testament about Paul, he wrote a lot of, of our epistles and Scripture in the Bible. And there is no doubt in my mind that when he was standing before King Agrippa, he shared these things. I know he, he gave him the accounting of when he was converted out there, when the light shone down and he heard the voice of Jesus calling him. I know that Paul shared about how Jesus is who he says he is and that he could prove it to him. He, I think he heard about that, that Paul was trying to convince people to go from the darkness into God's glorious light. I'll guarantee you that Paul shared with him John 3.16. You know, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever will believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'll guarantee you Paul shared that with King Agrippa. I think that Paul shared with him Romans 5.8 that says that God demonstrated His own love for us. That while we were all having a good time and we were sinners, Christ still died for us. Come on, glory to God. This is things that I think he shared with King Agrippa. And what amazes me that King Agrippa still chose to wait. Do you think, Paul, that you could so quickly persuade me? What was King Agrippa thinking? You know, I've got more time. I'm good to go. You know, there's time tomorrow. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Someday, I'll accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Listen, listen to me. There are people out there, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why, because I lived it myself. There are teenagers out there who think, yeah, man, but, but if I accept Christ, all the fun is over. All right. They wait. And then the same teenagers become young men and women and they want to start a family. And, and so starting family is priority and so they wait. And then they get a little bit caught up in, in family stuff and things that adults do. And then they begin to find out that they don't have a whole lot of time for God. And so they wait and they grow up some more constantly working now trying to enjoy grandchildren in their older age and everything that, that life throws at them. And then at this point, they're forgetting all about God. <laughs> And they passed from this life to the next, and they almost became a Christian. That's a scenario, a true scenario of life. And it's happening all around us, day in, day out. I 
A second group of people that I think are going to struggle are those who said, I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm good. I think good people think they're a shoe-in. I'm not doing evil. I, I haven't killed anybody. I didn't rob the store down the street. Um, I didn't slap my neighbor in the head. Um, I'm a good person. I'm a shoe-in. It's almost like those who were believers in Judaism said, well, we're, we're a shoe-in because Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not about any of that. We believe that the good outweighs the bad, and so we're a shoe-in. We're, we're in there. Our good behaviors, all of our good works is going to get us there when the Scriptures say Jesus and Jesus alone. Christ, Christ is God's only advocate to get us into the kingdom of God. But we have to know Him to be found in Him. Scriptures in Matthew 7.22, many will say to me in that day, the day when everything ends, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? Have we not cast out demons in Your name? Have we not done many wonders in Your name? These are good church people. (laughs) Doing good church things. And And Jesus, He says, I'll declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. If that doesn't say there has to be more than just being good, I don't know you. It's about a relationship. It's about the the good people driving by. You don't see them, I see them. I see them drive by out there on the street. They know somebody's probably in here preaching right now, but he don't know me. See, that one right there, that white pickup. He didn't pull in. He didn't come come in to know me. But he knows of me. This is what... The Scripture is telling us right here, telling us today, I never knew you. Depart from me. Paul was all about good works. Paul was the best at good works. I want to promise you, when you look at Acts, the 26th chapter, again, verse 4, the Jews all know, Paul said, the way that I have lived ever since I was a child. See, from the beginning of my life in my own country in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time. They testify if they're not too scared that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. He's putting religion and Phariseeism together as his good works. He's telling King Agrippa, I'm a good guy. I did good stuff. Man, I chased him down with the best of them. But there was a problem. You were wrong, Paul. When Jesus has to show up and shine a light on you and say, why are you persecuting me, son? You're off course. Wouldn't it make it easy? Wouldn't it be cool, really? I mean, wouldn't that be a really unbelievable thing if the light just shines on you right now and God just starts talking? What are you going to do with that? She's like, I ain't answering you. I'm not going to say it. Is he really talking to me? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm hitting the ground. Head down, face down. I'm not looking up. This is God Almighty we play with. (laughs) And he showed up with Paul and he said, what are you doing, Paul? You're persecuting me. You think you're so good? You think you're so righteous? You're keeping the law? You're keeping all that those nice little words and dots and exclamations in there, man? But you don't even know me, pal. You have no relationship with me. Let's get it right, Paul. You're not that good. 
And then Jesus begins to tell him, according to John 14.6, He said, listen to you, listen to me, church. I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the everlasting life. And hear me, apart from knowing me, apart from being that believer and Christian, you're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to get to the Father. It's not happening. We cannot be good enough and think that works. That will almost get us into heaven. I think there's a third concept that I was looking at today, this concept I believe is truth, and that's there's these people who believe in God. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tossing a ringer at you. <laughs> Y'all believe in God? Every hand goes up, right? What God? What God are you believing in? Every religion that's in the world has a God. You want to talk about Buddha? You want to talk about Zen? You want to talk about the Egypts with the, the Ra, the sun God? Huh? You want to talk about Islam, Allah? Which one's your God? To say I believe in God is nowhere. It's nowhere today. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe in Yahweh. I believe in Elohim. I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Israel. That's who I'm putting my faith and my trust in. Not just in a God. Not in just a supreme being. And a lot of people I've heard them say, oh yeah, I, I believe there's a supreme being out there. See, you're telling me you don't know him. Paul was telling King Agrippa that you know about God, King Agrippa, but you don't know him. Getting to heaven is so much more. Listen to James 2.19. Scripture says you believe that there's one God. Well, you do well. Okay, because there is one God. But even the demons believe that, and they tremble. See? There's a little something added to the end of that. Even demons believe in God, but they tremble. Anybody know why they're trembling? Huh? Their days are numbered, right? Genesis, going back to Genesis. They were, they were kicked out of heaven, the Scripture said. Totally kicked out. They went in rebellion of God. They, Satan wanted to be his own God. So the Scripture says they were hurled down, kicked out. They didn't freely go. Their days are numbered. The devil's mad. So the minute you start loving on God, you're, you're just really making the devil mad. So don't, but don't quit loving. But in reality, to where I was going with this, which I almost just about halfway have forgotten in my head, <laughs> is that the reason they tremble, because they've seen him. They not only believe he's real, they know he's real. They, have, they had a relationship with him. They have tasted his power. So you're exactly right. They know the time's coming when what little freedom they have right now in the world is going to go away. They know God's real. And they know his power, and they're trembling. And I'm saying, I see a whole slew of Christians in churches today that I don't even think they tremble. I'm not sure they really know that he's there. We talk about it, we bulletinize it, we, we sing it, but do we really know it? Enough that I have a healthy enough fear of God, a loving, healthy fear of God. What are we going to do with it? 
I think we do what Romans 10.8 tells us, that the Word is near you. Jesus is near us now. I believe Jesus wanted us to preach this message today. So the Word, He's near you right now. He's in your mouth. He's in your heart. The Word that we're proclaiming. And this is the Word that, that the Scriptures and the authors were proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For listen, it's with your heart that you, you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. How can I just say I believe in God and I never tell another soul? How is that faith? Paul and James are battling. Well, I have faiths. Well, I have works. Yeah, but they go together. I can't have works without faith. I can't have a seagull flying around on one wing. He just does in circles. Your faith has to have two wings. One that flaps faith and one that flaps your, your proof of your faith, your works. And that is your testimony about Jesus Christ to the world. Confessing Christ. Do you know Him this morning? Do you know that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven? Do you know it? Blessed assurance, Holy Spirit testifying with your spirit inside. I knew it! And oh boy, I'll fight anybody on this thing. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Or do you simply just have uh, a hope? Well, I hope when I die um, that, that, that He'll let me in. I don't want you to have hope. I want you to have assurance. It takes eight whopping seconds to say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, who came in incarnation. You came in the flesh. I know it. I believe your word on this. You came and you died on that cross so that I can have a chance to to confess you, believe in my heart and confess you with my mouth, and I ask you to save my wretched soul. That's all it takes. And Jesus says, I will keep my promise. And nobody from the moment you say that prayer will ever snatch you out of my hand. You can live the rest of your days with blessed assurance. 100% assurance in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is good stuff. And the Bible tells you and I in 2 Corinthians 6, now is that accepted time to do it. Today is the day of salvation. So way to start the right song to start us off. This is the day. King Agrippa heard the truth. He waited. You've heard the truth. I hope you don't wait. I don't want you to almost make it to heaven. <laughs> I want you to be persuaded and be there. I'm looking at this big, long banquet table. My goodness, I think it's going to go as far as the east is from the west. <laughs> going to be turkey on there. Ham, everything you can think of. And we're going to sit down with the Son of God. Family. And we're going to chow down. And we're going to praise the Lord. And we're going to see each other there. We're going to laugh about this message today. Maybe somebody's going to say, hey, thanks for giving that message today (laughs) so that I'm sitting here. And I don't want to lose the moment. If you've never asked Jesus that earnestly from your heart like Paul to be your Lord and Savior, 
and ask Him to place that blessed assurance of His in you, that His Spirit truly testify to yours so that you know what you know what you know. And this is the day to do that. For some of you, you can say you've done that. Praise God. It's okay. But I want to challenge you with one more thing, what Paul said. When he responded back to Agrippa, he said this, I would to God that not only you, King Agrippa, but also all who hear me come to know a Christ. My point is, there's somebody in your family, there's somebody in your workplace, there's somebody in your neighborhood who doesn't know. Do you have Paul's attitude that he wants all people? Don't let them go almost persuaded. Finish them off. Persuade them that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Persuade them, I beg of thee. And I'm going to tell the Lord here in a minute from my knees that I did my job. I told you what he told me to tell you. Now it's on you to go tell somebody else that he tells you to tell. And fear not, because I'm going to pray for your courage and your boldness to do it. This altar's open. God is here. What are you going to tell him? Take a moment. Tell him something.